Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into another glorious victory installment of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back in the big chair for today, Monday, November 8th, 2021. The New England Patriots, fresh off of a 24-6 win on the road over the Carolina Panthers, now sit at 5-4 on the young season. And believe it or not, friends, they now sit in 7th position overall in the AFC standings. If the NFL playoffs begin today, your New England Patriots would be in the playoffs on the road week one at the Baltimore Ravens. Who, thanks to a comeback win over the Minnesota Vikings, are now 6-2 and in the season. But the New England Patriots would be in the postseason if it began this week. Which is something that, you know, after week one, after weeks three and four, after week six, maybe you would think, yeah, I, I don't know about that. But the Patriots right now are in the dance. So we're going to talk about yesterday's win. Over the Carolina Panthers, we're going to start on the defensive side of the ball. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk a lot about Mac Jones as we do each week. But before we do any of that, please follow along with the work on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the outlets I provide content for. Touchdown Wire over at USA Today. Three, or is it four four different SB Nation websites? Right here at Pat's Pulpit, where you've got Mac Attack coming your way later today. And of course, blogging the boys, where you're going to get Dak Watch. If you want to break down or see me or listen to me break down Dak Prescott's struggles against the Denver Broncos, you can get that. Also, Big Blue View, Blue Green Nation, where I host the QB Factor Reboot with Rochelle Prevet. A lot of places to find me at Mark Schofield on the Bird app is probably the easiest. Let's talk defense because this was a defensive win. This was a defensive win from the New England Patriots over the Carolina Panthers. And maybe we shouldn't have been surprised by that, right? The Patriots have had success against Sam Darnold in the past. And by the time Darnold threw his third interception of the game, lots of people were making the the ghost references, the boogeyman jokes on social media. But you get three turnovers... You hold them 
to just 162 net passing yards, 240 total yards. You get a pick six. You get an interception in the end zone. I mean, this was a game that it was an ugly win, but it was a win. It was a game that was 7-6 after a a Zane Gonzalez 49-yard excuse me, yard field goal late in the first half. But to their credit, the Patriots respond, put together a drive, a touchdown drive. So instead of it being 7-6 at the halftime break and you're wondering, okay, we get a one-point game here, you know, you push it out to a 14-6 game at the break. Then you get the pick six to really sort of, I think, end all, end all doubt on that afternoon. But in terms of the defense... This has become a zone coverage team. Now, Sports Info Solutions, they don't have their data updated yet from charting out the games on Sunday. But last week, as we talked about with Justin Herbert, Patriots played a lot of, you know, he Herbert said it himself, there was a lot of cover two, cover four in that game. We talked about it. There was some single high stuff on the interceptions, but there was also some cover three mixed in. And working through my rewatch of New England's game against the Carolina Panthers, you saw a lot of zone coverage situations. You saw a lot of cover two. And obviously we have talked about Bill Belichick in the past. We've talked about how Bill Belichick views cover one and all the variations of cover one as the best way to play pass coverage in the NFL. But he's moved away from that. He's moved off of that. He's moved to more of a a cover three, cover two, cover four type of team right now. And that, in many ways, may be a personnel thing. You know, with the trade of Gilmore, now what you have in the secondary and what you're also sort of able to do up front, you can play some zone stuff. You can feel comfortable in zone stuff. And you're getting disciplined zone coverage that's resulted in some big plays. The pick six... It's covered too. It's covered too. Now, the, the Panthers have a good play called to beat this. It's a boot smash concept. And you've got, you know, one tight end going to the flat after blocking. You've got Terrence Marshall on the deep corner out. You've got Robbie Anderson working from right to left on the crosser at the intermediate level. And as a quarterback, you're really reading this. Can you high-low the flat defender, make the throw over the top of him, or make the throw to the flat? But J.C. Jackson plays this with incredible discipline. It's a second and ten situation. He's the flat defender in this cover, too. He gets depth to help protect Devin McCourty, who's covering that corner out. And he's gonna, he'll give you, you'll give them the flat route, which is literally at the line of scrimmage. If you want to take that on second and 10, fine. We'll rally and make the tackle. But that's in that no cover zone, curl flat defenders, whether it's two, whether it's four, whether it's three, whatever. You know, if it's below five yards, you'll give them that throw. That will help you sink and get depth under the vertical routes, under the routes that stress the hole like a corner route on this throw. But you have to be disciplined. That's a lot of eye candy. That's a lot of eye candy in front of you. When you get that flat route and you think you want to come downhill on it. J.C. Jackson shows you discipline. He's reading the eyes of Donald all the way. 
And then when you do see that ball come to the flat, that's when you come downhill. And that's what he does. Darnold makes a good decision in the sense because you'll take that. As a quarterback, rolling to your left, especially for a right-handed quarterback, you will take that throw to the flat. Believe me. I saw this play. The tweet was in the drafts. I didn't send it out in time. I did something different. I threw a pick on this against Hamilton in 1997. The same exact concept because I thought I could make that throw on the deep corner route and I threw it right between the numbers on that defender's jersey. I believe it was number 25. I I gifted that guy two picks in that game. This was one and the other was on elite concept. Threw him right to him. And that's basically what Darnold does here. Although I think, you know, here he's trying to hit the tight end in the flat. At least I hope he is. Either way, he doesn't make the good throw. And J.C. Jackson, playing with the right discipline and technique on it, is able to get under it and get the interception. You know, the second interception, the Jamie Collins one on third and 13, that's just a freak athletic play. You know, that's one of those plays. A lot of people have talked about, you know, if this were Madden, you'd throw the controller. But you get a pressure look up front. He gets eyes on the quarterback. Donald tries to throw the crosser. He gets the hands up and makes the interception. It's just a freak athletic play. The third interception, the other J.C. Jackson one, it's another great technique from the defensive back. You get double China seven. Three-by-one situation. He's covering DJ Moore, who's the inside trips receiver. He's running the seven route. The two outside guys are running the in cuts. They're basically in, in man across the board here. You use, as a corner in this situation, the end line and the sideline as extra defenders. You play underneath trail technique. You force him to put this throw, get it over you, and drop it in before those extra defenders come into play. Because you're you're on your own 14-yard line. And if you're going to throw that corner out as a QB, you have to really, really get it in there. It's a tough throw to make. Now, what makes it tougher? When you get a perfect rip move to the inside from Matthew Judon, who remains perhaps the best Belichick signing of the offseason. He gets inside the left tackle, forces Darnold to now... Again, make this throw come into his left. And once more, you have a quarterback trying to make a difficult throw while rolling to his left, this time off of structure as opposed to by design on the previous interception. And Jackson plays it perfectly. He's underneath. He doesn't panic. He gets the eyes around. And the throw comes right to him because it's a tough throw to make. But this has become a, a, a heavier zone coverage team than we've seen from Bill Belichick in the past. And it's working. It's working right now. And, you know, some people, and, and I'd kind of put myself almost in this category, I've said, you know, maybe it's, it's a game plan week by week thing because the past two weeks you've got two young quarterbacks, particularly this week with Darnold. And you've had success against him before. You do some of the things you've done in the past. But now I'm starting to soften on that idea. And maybe this is, Evan Lazar and others have been pointing this out today, maybe this really is where they want to be right now with the people they have, with the personnel they have, with the players that they have. They want to be more of his own coverage team. 
you know, maybe you just don't feel comfortable playing the matchups out, straight man, cover worn, whatever. You want to be more of a zone coverage team, you can do some different stuff. You can call some different stuff and get after it that way. And speaking of Evan Lazar, he checked with PFF. PFF did have some data. Most frequent coverage calls from New England on Sunday cover three, 32 plays, and cover two, 10 plays. They also played four plays in cover four. Only eight coverage snaps were in cover one. And Belichick asked, I mean, Evan asked Coach Belichick about this. Coach Belichick said it's game plan based and that his son Steve does a good job of mixing up man zone pressure. But I do think that maybe they're right. Maybe this is, as Evan says, a zone coverage team now. The other thing I will point out, they did a very good job, the Patriots did against the run, particularly on outside zone looks. There was just a clear emphasis and effort to string those out, to set edges against those. Carolina sort of really struggled at getting to the edge on those plays. You know, you can work through the film on your own if you want to, but Carolina sort of really struggled to get outside on those. I mean, it started early. The first run attempt from Christian McCaffrey, who's back from injury. First and 10, 10, 19 mark of the first quarter. And you just see the job by guys up front. Kyle Van Noy on the edge. Lawrence Guy on the interior. Just sort of hard against this. And then you get Juwan Bentley flying downhill and disrupting when McCaffrey has to try to make a cut and make something out of nothing because he's got to bounce this in the backfield because of what's happening up front. You get penetration from Guy. You get a push on front from Davis. Even on the backside of Gotchar, you're getting push up front against these designs. And they just did a really good job against this Panthers run game. Another, It was second and 25. They decided to run it. Again, sort of outside zone look. This is Amir Abdullah at the 351 mark of the first quarter. And they stuff this for no gain. They've even got a light box here. The three-man front, but you bring Miles Bryant down in from the slot. Makes a tremendous play. You know, he triggers early. Looks like a slot blitz here. Gets himself into the backfield. Stops this before it gets going. So this was a defensive win. You know, game balls, defensive side of the ball. That's where they go. You know, a team defensive win from the New England Patriots. And with a rookie quarterback, you know, sometimes you win ugly that way. Sometimes you win on defense. You know, the Patriots are able to get that done on Sunday. Up next, we will talk about that rookie quarterback, dive into Mac Jones. That's ahead, Aaron, episode 217 of The Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now in episode 217 of the Sco Show and going to talk for a bit about Mac Jones. And I know 
a lot of the Mac Jones discussion this week is going to be about the Brian Burns sack, fumble, ankle grab. Like that that's what this week is going to be about. And I don't want to dwell on that too much. But I will say that, you know, Belichick addressed that Monday morning on the radio and he said that, look, I think Mac thought that Burns had the football. I think that was Mac Jones's initial thought. He got hit, strip sack, don't let them get the ball, grab this guy, prevent him from doing that. But I do think that the league is going to look into this and it would not surprise me if there was, you know, I don't think it's a suspension situation, but I do think it's a big fine situation. And you look at some of the other angles of it, you see Jones, you know, get a little leg whip and roll in there as well. You know, I think the league is going to look at that and say, look, you know, you, you, you can't do that. Initially, if you want to grab him and hold on to him, like fine. No, but to then bring the leg whip and roll into it, I think that's what the league's going to look at and, you know, bring a fine down on him. I, I don't think this, this, this was a sort of split-second thing. You know, I don't think it's a suspendable offense. But obviously, look, there are people out there that are saying that it should be, that Jones should miss a game and stuff like that. I don't think it goes that far, but we'll see what the league does with it. I did want to talk about a couple of plays, though, from Jones. Jones, with what you were doing on defense – with what you were doing against Sam Darnold, it wasn't a game where they asked him to do too much. I mean, 12 of 18 for 139, a touchdown and an interception. Again, didn't ask him to do too much. We'll talk about a couple of plays here. Um, the missed conversion on a third and nine, third and eight situation. Um, this was a throw to Jacoby Myers. Again, I, I dive into a lot of these these plays in the, the Mac attack video over at Pat's pulpit, but this was a great read by Mac Jones in the moment. It was a great read by Mac Jones in the moment because we talked a lot last week, right, about the sort of pressure looks that they bring, the mug looks that they bring. And they show that on this play. For those of you that want to follow along, this is 39 at the 11:20 mark of the first quarter. Ball's on the right hash. You've got three receivers to the left. You've got Aguilar on the outside, Bourne in the middle. Jacoby Myers is your inside trips receiver. They show you that pressure look up front, but if you're a quarterback sort of looking at a pre-snap, you look out to the trips. Nobody's really overborn. You've got a corner playing with depth over Aguilar, and you've got a safety aligned towards Myers, as well as you know another corner, A.J. Bouye, in the flat aligned over Myers. That's more, in my mind, sort of a zone indicator than anything else. It's a Y-ISO look as well. You've got Hunter Henry to the backside, and you've got Stephon Gilmore over him. Like, maybe they're going to take Stephon Gilmore and play him in man against Hunter Henry, but there's a lot of, okay, they're showing pressure, but this looks to be zoned behind it, and they eventually do spin it into a cover two look where they bring chin down as that middle field hole runner, and you've got Gilmore as one half field safety, and you've got Jackson the other corner as another. But what ends up happening is the guys that are mugged up, including Shaq Thompson, they drop. And you get the matchup you want. Myers working against Shaq Thompson, who's playing from off the line of scrimmage, dropping off the line of scrimmage with inside leverage, and he's running an out route. Like, it's the right read and throw. Myers just has to secure the catch at the catch point. Because if he catches it without the juggle, it's a first down. Sort of juggles it, and you, you get the catch, but it's just an eight-yard gain on 39, and you miss the opportunity. You had a great throw to Hunter Henry 
third and seven, seven forty-three mark of the first quarter, where you've got sort of a vertical concept. You get Henry on the crosser. This now they're in man coverage. They do bring bring pressure. It reminded me a bit of the Mac Jones crosser to Jalen Waddle against Missouri last year, where Nick Bolton had a free shot of him. This you got the linebackers and a Shaq Thompson who has a free run at him gets a little thump on Jones, but the ball comes out. You get the completion. The interception, you know, rub concept. You're trying to get Gilmore picked off with Hunter Henry going to the flat. Will Blackman, the former NFL defensive back, who's now on Twitter and a wine connoisseur and has a podcast over with the Blue Wire, uh, he talked about how Chin, I believe it was Chin, and Stephon Gilmore were on two different levels on this play. Yeah, it's Chin. who who's, He's covering John o. Smith, excuse me. He's the tight end to the flat. Myers is the inside trips receiver running the slant. You also get Jacob Johnson on the outside running the slant from the outside as well. But because Chin and Gilmore are on two different levels, they're not running into each other. The spacing is such that you can move better as two defenders trying to stick on that slant-flat combination. And actually, it's Myers that gets picked off a bit when Chin comes over to cover Smith working to the flat. Myers kind of gets picked off. All of that allows Gilmore to beat him to the spot and you get the interception. Uh, the, the the drive before halftime obviously was sort of critical in that moment, right? You get a third and five. You get 314 left. It's a 7-6 game. You've got the lead. But you can see where this goes if you don't convert here. If you don't convert here, you're going to give Carolina a chance to score and then they could double dip. You know, we've got 35, 314 left. If you get stopped here, Carolina could potentially take the lead before halftime and then double dip on you. But you go why ISO, you get the wheel route, Brandon Bolden matched up against Thompson. Great route, great read, great throw. You get a huge gain in that moment, allows you to extend the drive. Third and five at your own 30 becomes first and 10 in their territory. Great read and throw, aggressive decision, aggressive play call, get the matchup you want. And then the touchdown from Henry, I mean from Mac Jones to Henry, excuse me, perfect placement. You can't throw that better. It's sort of a, you're you're posting them up, you're posting up your tight end in the end zone just past the goal line. If you throw that above the waist, it's going to get broken up. Defender's going to have an opportunity to get over the top or around the side make a play on the ball, but because it's so low, it's really tough for that defender to come through the body and make a play when the ball's low, below the waist on that. That's a perfect spot to put that throw in and you get the touchdown. So, again, Jones wasn't asked to do a ton. This was a defensive win. And I know, look, the discussion is going to be Jones and and the Brian Burns thing. We'll see what the league does with it. I've read the report, and as I'm sure you have, that it's going to be a fine situation, but... You know, we'll see what the league ultimately does. But that's it for today. We've got the Browns this week. Probably going to, maybe I'll talk to my buddy Jeff Lloyd, does Locked on Browns, about the Cleveland Browns for a bit. That will be Wednesday's show. We'll talk about Baker. We'll talk about La Affair, Odell, and all of that. We'll talk about what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. You got Miles Garrett. Mina Kimes tweeted it out, you know, something to the effect Monday morning of we spend so much time each week trying to figure out who the defensive player of the year is when in reality it's just been Miles Garrett all along. He's been fantastic this year. So we'll have to get ready for Miles Garrett, number 95, and what the Cleveland Browns will do 
on Sunday. But the New England Patriots, look, it's one of those moments you wish you could start the playoffs right now, right? You wish this, you just wish you could start the playoffs right now because the Patriots would be in. Instead, look, they got a home game against Cleveland. Then you go to Atlanta. Atlanta had a nice little win against New Orleans. Then you're home against Tennessee, and then that game against Buffalo on the road Monday night. Tennessee right now would be the number one seed in the AFC. And also, look, you've got that Atlanta game is a Thursday night, so you get Cleveland. We got a quick turnaround coming our way. Um, but this, these, I really think sitting here right now, next four weeks will determine if this is actually a team that is going to make the playoffs and make some noise, a team that could make the playoffs, or a team that's going to be on the outside looking in. These four weeks, I think, are going to be determinative of what happens. Because, let's face it, after the bye, Indy, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Miami. And I know, look, this was a wacky NFL Sunday. I wrote about it. We all talked about it. It was a crazy NFL Sunday. Jacksonville just beat the Bills. You know, Miami beat Houston, and it's a win. So those two games in Week 17 and 18 aren't gimmies, but Cleveland, Atlanta, Tennessee, Buffalo with Cleveland, Atlanta on a short week situation. Tennessee, the number one seed in the AFC right now, and at Buffalo on a Monday night when you know Buffalo would love nothing more than to look at the new, suddenly resurgent New England Patriots and bury them right before the bye. This is going to be the pivotal stretch. And so we'll have you covered here at Pat's Pulpit. Um, follow, subscribe, like the pods, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Uh, check out the work we're all doing over at Pat's Pulpit week in, week out. Until Wednesday, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors, check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sit along and bless those Patriots' reign. Down and fall.